seven different levels to devil worshiping horses heads human sacrifices cannibalism candles and exorcisms animals having sex with them candles mammals and rabbits but i don't get into that mr pop eat Good evening, boils and ghouls, and welcome to the fourth annual podcast of the Universe Halloween Extravaganza. Here is your ghost with the most Steve who is still on his bullshit. Let's start the show. It's Halloween. Give me some spooky music. Something a little more relevant. Welcome back. Podcast of the Universe, fourth annual Halloween episode. Depending on your time zone, this episode might be coming out November 1st. Apologies for that. A couple other apologies. The sound isn't great on this episode. I'm using a temporary mic. My regular mic is uh, not recording in stereo anymore. I tried two different computers. I uninstalled Audacity, reinstalled it, changed the wires. Still, still not recording in stereo. And I know it's not from overuse, so that will probably have to be replaced um, so as we close out October uh, I banged out I think 34 or 35 Halloween movies um, not as uh, impressive as my previous years mainly just because of uh, work and family but no no complaints there um, and I mainly watched movies I hadn't seen before I didn't watch the usual the usual franchises uh, because, I mean, let's be honest, I watch horror movies uh, all the time anyway, so it's not... The only difference is I'm simply posting them. So uh, I did start using Letterboxd, so if you want to find me on there, you can. It's uh, This is Po2, same as my Instagram handle, uh, where I'll log movies that I'm, that I'm watching there. But I'm not going to, only for October do I post them uh, to my Instagram. Uh, so I'm not I'm not spending a lot of time on Instagram other than checking uh, my DMs. I don't really scroll through it. Um, so my Instagram will probably die off again uh, until next October when I start posting my uh, 31 Days of Horror or whatever. I also stopped using hashtags because uh, I, I just did. I don't know. I didn't put that much thought into it. I just didn't post them and I stopped posting information about uh, the movies as well uh, and more so just you know a funny quote here or there uh, from the movie and the picture and that's the way I kind of tracked it so that's what happened this year um, I don't think there's any other uh, news uh, for me to go over right now I think that pretty much does it we can kill this music you want to kill that real quick so for this episode, uh, I was thinking about something that maybe I found scary or have found scary in the past. Uh, maybe something that happened to me. So I settled on uh, evangelical Christians. So uh, it seems like a weird thing uh, to pick, but I get to pick the topics and that's what I picked. So a uh, little disclaimer right out of the gate. I'm very, very, very biased. Uh, you could even say angry about evangelical Christians. Um, and 
that's because I grew up in that system for a big chunk, big chunk of my childhood. So uh, I went to a church where, and uh, to be clear, I went to the church where women were allowed to wear pants and cut their hair and wear makeup. Uh, my church was more in the style of um, televangelists that you would see on TV. So uh, I think I started going when I was around five until the time I was 14 or 15 when they stopped dragging me. Uh, so that's uh, how long uh, that I spent there. So that meant uh, Sunday school and then church and then uh, often Sunday evening service. Uh, so, and then of course, uh, when I was in elementary school, there was choir on Friday nights. Um, there was a youth group uh, when I was a teenager, and I can't remember what night that was, Friday maybe as well, I don't know. Um, and then for a time, they had this short-lived program where it was like a fake scouts, where they had like shitty badges for reading Bible verses, I guess. I can't remember the badges. It was stupid. And uh, I don't know what happened to that. I don't think it lasted very long. So uh, a typical church service, uh, there would be speaking in tongues. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with what that is, uh, it is when someone is filled with the Spirit and they begin loudly speaking in a, I don't want to say a foreign language uh, because it's gibberish, uh, but they begin speaking a, a language um, and you don't know what they're saying. I mean, they don't either, but oh, and then after they're done speaking, uh, often there will be an interpreter, um, someone who feels compelled to translate the message for the rest of the congregation. And uh, if, you, if you're uh, unfamiliar uh, with what that is, let me just play a clip and we'll, uh, we'll be on our way. In the name of Jesus, you be made whole by the power of God. So that seems normal, right? Like if you heard someone say that, you wouldn't bat an eye and be like, oh, cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so there was a lot of that. Um, and, you know, what comes with that uh, is also, you know, being slain in the spirit. And what some people will say, uh, that's where people fall down. Uh, when they're overcome by the Holy Spirit and they flop on the ground like a fish in the bottom of a boat or an egg frying on a sidewalk, I guess. Um, oh, in healings, there were also uh, healings. So when I was a kid, uh, if someone got cancer, um, the way that they talked about it, that was like a, a death sentence. Uh, and this was in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, when people, you know, had cancer treatment and recovered, uh, you know, hopefully at times that happened. But anyway, when someone in the church would have cancer, it would just be like, well, they're, you know, unless there's a miracle, they will die. There was never talk of doctors or medicine. It was just uh, only a miracle could save someone from cancer. Um, so that was strange. Uh, and when you're a kid, you don't think about that. Um, and then there was a lot of prophecy, too. And I'll say this up front, um, any group or person or system or structure that deals in prophecy, um, I find them to be um, 
unhinged lunatics. Um, it seems to be um, a poison of the mind, it seems, where they just become obsessed uh, with prophecy. So uh, the big prophecy, of course, within uh, that religion was uh, the end times, the apocalypse, the tribulations. So one thing that you learn in, in this church a lot is that um, uh, you're, you're a dirty, dirty sinner, you're awful, you're trash. Uh, I mean, they say like you know you can be born again and stuff like that, but there's a lot of a lot of guilt in that system. And I know as a kid, say I was eight for sure, eight, nine, ten, you think that um, you're a sinner, and uh, you think you're just gonna go to hell about anything. Like you do like stupid kid stuff, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna go to hell. Um, so part of the prophecy in evangelicals is the rapture. So. Uh, what that means is they believe that um, Jesus is going to come back unannounced. Uh, no one knows the day or time, even though they all act like we are in the end times. Whatever, whenever it is, they always act like it's the end times. Uh, that, you know, the I don't think it's Jesus. One of the angels will blow a trumpet, and then all of the born-again Christians get zapped out of their clothes and disappear and fly up into the sky leaving just a pile of clothes. Um, so that means like, you know, planes falling out of the sky if a born-again Christian's flying them, or, you know, accidents, or, you know, children would disappear. And everyone, not everyone, but the, the faithful would be called home, uh, and they wouldn't know death. So um, because, you know, you're always sinning, uh, I was always worried uh, as a child that, I was going to, you know, wake up and my family would be gone. Uh, my mother, father, my young brother and sister, because they were too young uh, to not be raptured. So I was, I really thought that um, long term, you know, wasn't sure what really mattered because the world was ending. And um, I thought that I was going to have to navigate the world and try to live through that. Uh, because you still have a second chance to get to heaven. One of the things you can't do is take the number of the beast. So when when the Antichrist rises to power after the rapture, um, then everyone would be forced to take a mark on their right hand or their forehead. And without that, they wouldn't be able to buy or sell or trade. Um, so basically, if you don't take the mark, like you would be like, executed or starved or nothing good would happen um so that was like a real thought i had like you know how am i going to how am i going to make through the end of the world um you know being in a alone nine or ten year old and uh, trying to uh, resist taking the mark of the beast damning my soul forever sorry for drinking coffee like that in your ear there's uh, not going to really be a lot of edits in this show so I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, so yeah, I thought that I was just gonna, it was gonna be like home alone. Uh, I was gonna live home alone in, uh, in the end of the world. So, and some other prophecies were uh, given by members of the church, you know, when God spoke to them. So there was a sweet woman, her name was Ethel. And everyone seems like an old mummy when you're a little kid. But, I mean, she was probably in her 70s or 80s. She was really old. 
and uh, really nice woman. Uh, but she stood up one day and she just basically told her that God had given her a vision that the Kennedy Cases River here was going to flood, wipe out a bunch of homes and just uh, cause a lot of destruction. Uh, that never happened. Uh, and just everyone acted like that was normal. And they're like, hmm, yes, yes. Very interesting. This is an important message. And then uh, she also said that um, God told her that she would never know death or never see death, something like that. Um, and she did. She she died a few years after that. Uh, but again, everyone was like, yeah, sure, absolutely. We believe it. Jesus is coming back. And, you know, before this old old woman passes away, he'll be back. And, of course, that didn't happen. Um, I have uh, I have a family member who still goes, not to the same church, but to a similar church. And I'm not crazy that they do, but they're not super hardline. They don't talk to me about it. Uh, they're not as fanatical. Uh, I think that um, they enjoy going and they get something out of it. Um, but their pastor is trash. He's just a complete trash person. Uh, and often has said um, that things don't matter because they're simply passing through, which is an unfortunate attitude from a lot of evangelicals where uh, the environment doesn't matter. All kinds of things don't matter because we won't be here. Um, this is just, you know, the the shitty level uh, that they're on before they're they're they get to the next stage where like that's the real one uh, that they're waiting for so a lot of them do overlook this life focusing on the next one whatever they might think that is so uh, i have other members of my family that i'm not close with that wouldn't recognize me if i you know sat across from them in a restaurant or something they wouldn't recognize me but um, if I see them posting online, um, they'll post about, you know, crazy end time things or the vaccine. Um, they're very against the vaccine uh, or any type of, you know, mandates, you know, like wearing a mask. Uh, and one of them posted a picture and it said, uh, I've been vaccinated and then Underneath it, it said, by the blood of Jesus. Um, a pastor in our city uh, was recently held in contempt. I mean, he he kept breaking the mandates. Like, our churches in our city are, are open. They just, like, you, know, you distance, you wear a mask, and uh, you just follow the, the same guidelines that any business would have. Um, so he was, uh, this pastor was very against the mandates and he flaunted them uh, to the point that public health and the police showed up and then um, they served him he went to court and he's like yeah I'll follow it no problem and then he went and had a service somewhere else and then mocked them the the government on on Facebook saying oh too bad I forgot to tell him we had moved our service and then he went back to his church and they had another service where people weren't, weren't wearing masks and 
the associate pastor was arrested and he went back to court and it was the same judge. The judge was just basically like, you know, your hearing is going to be next Friday and I'm not having you run around the city and having these big services. So uh, he held him in uh, our local j jail here in isolation for seven days until his next court hearing. Um, but that guy, I went to school with him. Um, he went to a sister church, I guess you would say. He was in that youth group. Uh, we were the bad kids in my youth group and we hung out with the bad kids in his youth group. And I was friends with his cousin and he was always... He was always a square like that. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see it. Um, and I expected him to continue doing it so he could die on that hill and be a martyr and uh, suggest that he was being prosecuted for his faith while all the other churches in the province uh, weren't arresting uh, the ministers and pastors. Um, so the there very conspiracy orientated and it's too bad conspiracies not now conspiracies uh, for a long time you know a lot of them have been you know anti-semitic and and hurtful but when i say conspiracy i mean like fun ones conspiracy used to be like a fun word it used to be fun things to read about you know um thought experiments almost um but they've taken a real turn a real turn for the worst um so we can't we can't have nice things. So when I was a kid, they would show us these movies. Uh, I recommend watching them because they're hilarious. Uh, it's called Thief in the Night. I believe there's four parts. I'm pretty sure there's four. I know I've watched all of them uh, as recently as last year. Uh, and it basically, it's a dramatization of the, the end of the world. Now, it's different from the Kirk Cameron Left Behind, but it's very similar. But this one was in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, that series. And uh, it looked like an old B, B movie. Uh, so there is a lot of value in it there for me. But when I was a kid, that scared the shit out of me. Um, so I think what's scary now is that there's still an audience uh, for these beliefs and these... Um, charismatic leaders, uh, especially televangelists or people who have mega churches. Um, now, uh, as I said, I'm biased, but I think if, you know, someone runs a mega church, I can only assume that they're a huge piece of shit, scumbag, charlatan, snake oil salesman, uh, just a, a piece of garbage. I can only assume that. Um, and a good example of that would be Kenneth Copeland, uh, who I don't believe in uh, demonic possession, for example. I mean, when I was a kid and went to church, they they would identify people as being, you know, possessed, and they would pray over them and try to exorcise the demons. But those people were mentally ill. And uh, there's a gentleman in my city. Uh, I haven't seen him in maybe two or three years, but I used to see him uptown every once in a while. And he's still very mentally ill. He's not possessed. But they would treat him like he was possessed and try to exercise the demons like that's something that I saw that probably most people wouldn't see um, but anyway uh, this Kenneth Copeland like if there were if there was demon possession Kenneth Copeland uh, would be a great candidate for that so Kenneth Copeland uh, recently made headlines for buying a private jet from Tyler Perry 
Well, I mean, he didn't buy it. His congregation bought it, and the people that send him send him money did. So he bought a private plane, and he said he couldn't fly commercial anymore because it was a tube filled with demons. And those demons uh, that he's referring to were people, you know, John Q. Public. Um, and when COVID uh, broke out, Kenneth Copeland decided that he was going to take care of COVID and uh, get rid of it. So I'm going to try for this not to be a clip show, but I do want to play uh, how Kenneth Copeland handled COVID. So let's roll that. We'll exercise judgment right now. Because we In have... In the name of Jesus! Oh, thank you, Jesus. Standing in the office of the prophet of God, I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. I execute judgment on you, Satan, you destroyer, you killer, you get out, you break your power, you get off this nation. I demand judgment on you. I demand, I demand, I demand a vaccination to come immediately. Yes. I call you done. I call you done gone. You come down from your Amen. place of authority, destroyer. You come down and you crawl on your belly like God commanded you when he put his foot on your head in the Garden of Eden. You will destroy through COVID-19. No more! No more. No more. It no more. is finished. finished. It is over. And the United States of America is healed and well again. Saith the mighty Hallelujah. Spirit. Glory. Glory. Peace, who is also the Prince of War, the Lord Jesus Christ. When oppressive, mean, nasty people attack his people, when mean, oppressive, nasty diseases attack his people, George. The Prince of Peace takes his place. And he becomes the mighty man of war. Thank you. So there, and that's how COVID-19 was ended. Oh, wait, let me check. Oh, no, no, it didn't. It didn't stop COVID. Huh. He was pretty sure of it. That's weird. Um... I did think it was funny that he demanded a vaccine instead of just demanding that it just stop and go away. But I don't know. I don't know how his powers work. I mean, I know that they don't, but oh, well. Um, And these television evangelicals are just, I don't want to say that they're insane because they can be very successful. Um, I remember 
uh, hearing about my great grandmother, uh, Jimmy Swaggart, would cry on TV and she would just go get out the checkbook and send uh, Jimmy Swaggart a check. So I presume he could pay hookers with it. That's that was his deal. But he would cry all the time, I guess, and and get money. Uh, someone else um, who made a lot of money was a guy named Robert Tilton. I don't think he's in the game anymore. I mean, he probably doesn't need to be at this point. Uh, he was getting the last number I saw. He was <laughs> he was breaking in eighty million dollars a year, and. A lot of you probably might not be familiar with Robert Tilton. Uh, Robert Tilton would um, say some things. Uh, well, why don't I let him tell you? I'll let I'll let him give a, an overview of uh, what type of things his ministry facilitates. I'm just getting into a prophetic vein. Someone with a digestive tract problems, quickly call. There's a miracle for you. Intestinal problems. Someone with similar intestinal problems. We've seen several people being delivered from the classroom bag. Disability with a child, some type of a learning disability. We've seen many, many children healed. We've seen midgets grow. We've seen arms and legs that stop growing because the growth cells that stop. I don't make this stuff up. We have thousands of testimonials documented by people's lives that have been changed. Well, I think you can make those things up. And I think he did. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, another popular uh, scumbag uh, was Benny Hinn. And Benny Hinn would uh, like fill an arena and then he would uh, hit people in the head and they would fall down and he would wave his jacket and waves of people would be uh, knocked over, overcome with the Holy Spirit. Um, so many of these people uh, have been caught uh, using earpieces um, and then they still show up again. Um, so basically, it's like old carnival tricks. Um, so what they would do is they would have them fill out prayer cards when they came in. So it would be like, you know, my name's Steve. Um, I have, I don't know, a, uh, a blood issue and, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking for healing. And then I would put it in the box and then, uh, the, uh, shit bag on stage, uh, lying to people. I would get in his earpiece and they would tell him something, uh, one of his, you know, cronies. And they would say, uh, uh, look for Steve with a, a blood disorder that's looking for, for healing. And then they would say, oh, God's speaking to me right now. He's telling me there's a Steve here who has issues with his blood. Yes, that's it. Blood. Yes. Are you here? And then, you know, I would put my hands up and be like, hey, it's me. That's crazy. And then they would call me on stage and then, uh, you know, speak in tongues, pray over me, tell me that I was healed, hit me in the forehead, and I would fall on the ground in, uh, in like, uh, almost like I was hypnotized or in a euphoric trance, and I would fall on the ground, go home, 
stop taking my medications and get sick, maybe die. Um, they would also screen people so people wouldn't look too ill or disabled. Um, it was it was really sketchy uh, because it was it was all it was all fake. The poor people there looking for looking for help didn't know that. And they'd pass buckets around and they get filled with money and go on to the next town. Um, something else that they do is all of these pieces of shit will uh, correspond with you. So I used to do this for for a long time. Um, you basically sign up and they will send you uh, miracle water. They will send you a prayer cloth. Uh, all kinds of things, just like stupid things like a necklace, like a really cheap necklace. Uh, and I would get all of these free things. So I would have a whole bunch of things come to me and then you start getting, um, you start getting correspondence from them asking for money because they want you to plant a seed. Now it's, um, the prosperity gospel, uh, would be uh, one word for it. So prosperity gospel is basically like they want, they want money and, uh, they're not going to be, um, they're not going to be discreet. They're going to, you know, drive, you know, fancy cars, have private jets, live in a mansion, and all of it's going to be tax-free. And I'll talk about how it's tax-free in a minute, in my opinion. But um, it would be like a seed-based uh, faith. So they want you to plant a seed. So that seed is money, and they want you to plant your money with them, and that you will get money back. So in an act of faith, you give someone money and then God will see that you get more money than you planted. So you're going to reap more than you sow. Um, and I was listening to someone a while ago. I apologize. I can't remember who it was. They were talking about how, how this works for people. So a lot of times it's people who really can't afford to give the money who are sending the money. So pretend you're sitting there and your rent is, I don't know, $800. So your rent is 800 and you don't have 800. You know, you're not going to have 800 to pay for to pay rent, but you're watching this and you say, well, I have 500. If I give 500, God will see that I get more money back and then I'll be able to pay my rent and then I'll, I'll be okay. So, that's often the mentality of someone who's desperate, needs help, and they get sucked into this. Um, and that's how, you know, they make, you know, tens of millions of dollars per year. And they're tax-free. Now, I don't, I don't know how, uh, how much of a hot take this is, uh, but I think churches should be taxed. And... I will also say that there are a lot of churches that uh, provide food banks, uh, perhaps shelters, uh, food, all types of assistance, 100%. And not all churches are outwardly evil. I get that. But I think that for those churches that are reaching out to their community 
and helping their fellow man. I think that's wonderful. But I also think that that would be easy to prove and write off. So I think that if a church is taking in that money and spending the money appropriately and they can account for it, then I think that they shouldn't be taxed. Like if, if you're feeding people with money donated to you, don't tax that. But if you're a huge piece of shit, you should absolutely be taxed. That's what I think. Don't know if that's a hot take. Who knows? Um, and I do want to play this uh, sound clip from sound clip audio clip. I want to play this audio clip uh, from Robert Tilton. And this is a good example where he's uh, speaking to the camera and he's convincing someone that they need to send money. And he makes it sound like it's personalized, like he's speaking to like specific individuals. Um, and it's super gross. It's incredibly gross. It's a little long, but I think you should hear it. Um, and also, people who go to, I don't know what it's like at other churches. I know other churches take donations as well. But I know from my experience, the church I went to, uh, they had tithing. And that's basically where you give 10% of your wealth to the church. I can't remember if it was um, before tax or after tax. So I'm not sure if it was the gross or the net, but they wanted 10% uh, of your money. So um, here's Robert Tilton, uh, not asking for money, demanding money. And uh, it's, it's super disgusting, but it's, it, it's, uh, it's worth listening to. That word's not for everyone, but it's a particular person. You should have moved a long time ago. You're missing it, and your family's suffering by it. That's a word. As surely as I'm speaking by the Spirit of God, that is a word for a person right now. That is God penetrating your heart. It's burning on the inside of you, and you need to make a vow of faith of $1,000. Oh, Bob, couldn't you say 25? No! You can't make a thousand dollar vow of faith. I'm saying in faith. So we got people that don't have teenagers that have no, hardly nothing going for them. They got enough faith to make a thousand dollar vow and send a little five dollars here and ten dollars there as God begins to move like a whirlwind in their lives. Because they don't have that old programming of religion. Well, this isn't the way we do it in my church. Forget your church. I'm talking about what God says. And if you want the kind of miracles that are in the Bible, you're going to have to do what God said to do. And I've got the faith to believe they'll come to pass. This is hot soil for anyone that's got the faith to sow into it right now. I mean right now. I mean right now, not tomorrow. That's part of your problem. God's already spoken a word to you and told you to do it. You need to do it right now. If you'll start now and get your seed of faith into the ground, it'll begin to grow and God begin to, begin to move. There's that person with that job again. I'm telling you, there's a person that has a terrible situation, a job, and it's caused a financial problems. It's brought unnecessary pressure and stress upon the home and the family. And it's, here's, another, here's another part of it. It's caused incredible arguments uh, uh, between you and your husband and your spouse and your mate. It's, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is somebody's day of harvest. It's, you see, there's a time to fast and a time to feast. There's a time to sow, so there'll be a time to reap. Many people want to reap and they want to feast, but they're not willing to pay the price 
to sow in order that they can reap. Yes, can't I believe You can't have what's not seen until you get your eyes over what is seen. You can't see what's not seen until you let go of what is seen. And that's, I'm talking about your money because your money is you. It's your blood. It's your sweat, your tears. It's driving down the freeways. It's going to work. It's believing. It's you. And letting go of it makes room for the new. Lot's wife didn't want to go on and that was the end of it. She stopped in her tracks right now. How many minutes do we have? Three minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes. Thank you, Lord. I have said your word. And now I'm going to pray for those that's got the faith to do something with what they believe. Don, thank you, Jesus. Here's a $1,000 vow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You say you, you want to make a $500 vow? Then do it. Then do it. If that takes faith for you, do it. You want to make a $100 vow? Or two, if that takes faith... See, I like a thousand, because I know I got you. I got you into faith, see? I'm teaching to enter into a covenant with God. When Jacob had nothing, he said, all I started with was a staff. And God blessed him with a multitude of flocks because he dared to enter into a covenant with God. And he promised God he'd give God a portion of all God blessed him with. Don't eat your seed. I said, don't eat your seed. You need to sow your seed and fulfill your vow. There's a person that's read the book and you've not made a vow of faith. You need to do that right now. I mean right now. I'm going to lay my hand. I've got to start praying. Here's Hamilton. Don, bring him quickly to me as they come and just lay him right here. Here's Hamilton from Virginia. Father, I lay my hands upon this with the cloth. Lord, in Jesus' name, this brother chose to be one today, right now, to use his faith and make a $1,000 vow. Now, God... You said you give seed to sowers, not eaters. Seed to sowers, and then you give us bread to eat. You see this one, Lord, that's had a financial problem in their lives. God, today is an anointing to break the demon, the curse of poverty off of people. And I break that curse off this brother. I lose prosperity into his life and everything he touches. And when he touches this cloth, oh God, let this anointing that's flowing out of me flow into him, revolutionize his life, and never be the same again because he let go of the old to bring in the new so the new could come in. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's another one real quickly. Here's Jeff. Hallelujah. Just got 30 seconds. Quickly. Here's Jeff Seagun, Texas. Jeff, I lay my hands upon your vow and all these other ones. If, even when we go off the air, we're still here. Don't let that demon of procrastination keep you from calling when we go off the air. There's a person, you've had a bitter spirit toward me. God sent me to you. It's the devil that lied to you and put that bitter spirit in your heart. Yes? Don't let Satan rob that from you. You need to get your faith out there working for you today, right now. We go off the air. We're still here. Then making difference what time of the day it is. Call us right now at 21, I mean right now, real quickly, at 214-620-6200. I just sense there's 10 more people that should have called a moment ago and you didn't call. You can be one of those 10 if you'll use your faith right now. God bless you. I break this curse of lack over this child of God. Father, they believed your word. They believed your prophet. And you said... Well, fuck that guy, huh? What a piece of shit. And there's many, many more like him. If there is one, it's too many. But there are many, many, many. And there will be more, unfortunately. Now, if you want to, you could find these people, find their websites. You could ask for materials, ask to get on their list. And they're going to inundate you with requests for money.
but they're going to send you little trinkets, stickers, all kinds of weird, goofy shit. Oil, water, prayer cloths, necklaces I mentioned, um, erasers, I've had erasers. But the best thing at all, the best thing of all that they send you are postage paid envelopes. This is what you want. So they send you a postage paid envelope and then you fill that with the heaviest things that you can find and you send it back to them. I mean, that's what I did. Um, I think it's been a couple years since I've done it, but it's something I did for a long time. Um, I would write letters <laughs> with my package and I would say, <laughs> I would say all kinds of things and just mail it to them. And I don't think it changed anything other than, uh, you know, the hassle of, you know, uh, them having to pay for the postage for it um, and having to read. I don't know how far they got in my letters. I don't know if they read the whole thing or not, uh, but I like to think that they did. So that was, that's something I recommend. You should do that. Um, I think anytime someone tells you that God is telling them something or God's giving them a special message for you. God's not telling it to you. He's going to tell them and they're, they're going to tell it to you. Right. Um, before, before George W. Bush was president, he said, I feel like God wants me to run for president. I can't explain it, but I sense my country is going to need me. Something is going to happen. I know it won't be easy on me or my family, but God wants me to do it. So, I mean, that didn't age well. Or, I mean, if God wanted him to, to handle things the way he did, <clears throat> I guess that's not great, right? So anytime someone has a secret message, I would be very wary of that person. Um... Anyone demanding that you give them at least a thousand dollars, like it's the bare minimum, I would I would run the other way. Now there's been a lot of uh, evangelical uh, ministers who have fallen from grace. Um, there was the Ted Haggard scandal in 2006. Now Ted Haggard was out of Colorado. He was. Uh, always on about the uh, uh, the evil of premarital sex or adultery, <clears throat> very against gay marriage. Uh, and then it came out, he was um, involved with a male escort named Mike Jones, uh, had been a client of his for years, and was doing crystal meth. I don't know if the escort was doing crystal meth with the pastor, but the pastor was uh, having gay sex doing crystal meth. Um he lost his position in his church. Uh, one of the stipulations was he had to, he had to move out of the community. And um, he had said in an interview that uh, he wasn't pleased with how he was treated. Um, and that it was very corporate-like. Um, but it was very strange uh, that he felt that it was uh, not appropriate the way he was treated, uh, despite how he uh, railed against, you know, uh, accepting, you know, homosexuality, 
but it was very strange when it when it happened to him that it wasn't that he wasn't welcomed into the congregation. Uh, there's Jim Baker. Jim Baker was really big in the '80s. Uh, they have made or are making a movie about his wife, uh, Tammy Faye. Um, he uh, his secretary uh, alleged that he had raped and drugged her. Um, he resigned and was then charged with accounting fraud, and he got 45 years in prison. There was, um, there's another one. Oh, Bob Coy. Uh, he was popular in Florida. Uh, he had like over 20,000 members in his mega church, and he admitted to affairs and a pornography addiction. Um, he resigned, um, but then in 2017, he was publicly accused of molesting a very young child. Um, there's uh, a great deal of um, just garbage people hiding in plain sight. Um, there was Doug Phillips. Um, he was president of a Christian right group called Visit Forum Ministries. He was friends with the Duggars um, and Kirk Cameron. He was an advocate of the Tea Party conservative political movement. Uh, his thing was, uh, uh, he strongly felt that women must be completely submissive to their husbands and fathers. Uh, daughters should not have a say in who they marry. And women should have as many children as possible. Uh, he was also forced to resign uh, after being accused of after being accused of sexual abuse and assault against uh, a woman when she was only 15 years old. Um, he then moved the woman into his house as his nanny, uh, and uh, he continued to uh, abuse her. And there was Jimmy Swaggart, the guy that I mentioned would cry on TV, and my great grandmother would send him checks. He started in the 70s, um, then blew up in the 80s, and was having an affair uh, with a prostitute. Also got into uh, BDSM and uh, and a lot of pornography. So he was always going on that Satan's agents were everywhere. Um, those agents included feminists, Democrats, rock musicians and condemned all of these things as immoral acts or people. And I don't think that BDSM, porn, or math, I don't recommend people do math, um, or sex workers, those aren't the issues in any of these cases. Uh, the issues are the uh, hypocrites, or the people lying, or the... Uh, rapists or the pedophiles those are the issues and there is a long long list of these people who get elevated uh, in these circles to very prominent spots like people you would never know the name of but they have churches of like 30,000 people giving them at least 10% of their paycheck every every Sunday these these are the issues. And 
Now, I'm not, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I was more of a um, hardlined atheist, I think. I think I was um, still pretty angry uh, about my <laughs> about my upbringing and my time there. And I let a lot of that go as I, as I got older. Um, I still have a lot of strong feelings towards it. Uh, but as far as my, like, I would probably identify as an atheist, but I kind of don't care either. Like, it's not, it's not part of my identity. Um, I don't need to argue with people about it. I don't care if people go to church or what they believe in to a point. Now, this evangelical stuff, I get, I get a little triggered by that. Um, now, they're not all bad people. Uh, I had a wonderful youth pastor who was a wonderful, wonderful man, sweet guy. Uh, really have nothing bad to say about him other than how he spends his Sundays. Um, there was a lot of nice people, a lot of nice people who genuinely <laughs> were concerned for me, and they would speak to me and they'd write me letters. Like when I didn't go to church, they would send me letters. Uh, and they were doing it from a, uh, honestly, from a uh, a good place. Um, and I appreciated all those people. Um, and they were fine. They were nice. They weren't all bad. Uh, it's like a lot of things. It's a broken system and there's a lot of good people that you can find there. Um, but there's also a lot of absolutely insane people. Some of them are my relatives. So now I have stronger feelings on, you know, Pentecostals or evangelicals, whatever you want to call them. Um, more so than probably, you know, the Catholic church. I didn't go to a Catholic church, but I mean, if you ask my opinion, I think they should, um, melt down the Vatican and give all of their money away, uh, to, uh, the untold millions of people were victimized by that church. Um, I do think that's a disgusting organization, but I don't, I don't really have a lot of information on it other than, you know, when I turn on the news tomorrow and, uh, there's been a, another news report of a priest being shuffled around to avoid, uh, dealing with, uh, uh, child abuse cases. Um, that's pretty gross. There's no reason that they should still be open that I, that I can think of. I can't think of one reason. Uh, and during uh, COVID and these past few years, I always think that it's always a good advertisement for say, like a United church. Like <laughs> you never see a United church in the news unless, unless they like, I don't know, did something good. Um, if, uh, if a random person handed me a chick track, um, and invited me to go to their, um, uh, snake handling Bible thumping church, uh, I'd have a hard time not saying something real shitty to them. If someone asked me to go to the United church, um, I would as politely as possible and as nicely as possible say, no, thank you, but thank you so much for, for offering. Um, but they, it's such a bizarre world. It's like a, another dimension. They, their music is awful. 
their movies are awful, their books are awful. Everything's awful. The only time it's not awful is when it's um, funny that it's so bad. I remember when I was a kid, the power team came. And the power team were these like failed American gladiator type guys. Just like, I don't know. I don't know if they were on steroids, but they were probably on steroids. But these guys were just jacked. And they would like rip phone books and smash things and break bats on their knees and stuff like that. And then talk about Jesus. And that was hilarious. And that will never not be hilarious to me. Um, probably in the next 30 days, I will look Power Team up on YouTube and just laugh. Laugh, laugh, laugh. Um, and then I think that maybe maybe there are some positives of uh, evangelicals. Um, maybe, maybe like music is better because of it. Maybe horror movies are better because of it, because they're going against that framework. They're rebelling, I guess, in a way, maybe. So maybe they've made things better that way. Um, yeah. I mean, without the church, like, would you have the exorcist? Um, would Black Sabbath be as cool if people weren't upset about it? No, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons, but people got pretty upset about that in the 80s and 90s, saying if kids were going to play Dungeons and Dragons, they were going to kill their families. Like, that was a big thing. So, I mean, that made Dungeons and Dragons cooler. Um, I mean, the satanic panic wasn't great. Um you know, some people went to jail for things they shouldn't have during that. I don't have it on hand, but you can find it easily. If you look up the FBI's uh, field, uh, I think it's the Field Journal, I think it was called. Anyway, if you just look up the uh, the guidebook, the FBI uh, <laughs> made accessible to their, their agents for uh, <laughs> identifying cults or Satanists, it's hilarious. Like they have a page of symbols to look out for. And like one of them was like the twisted sister logo um, or like ACDC and stuff like that, or kiss. It was hilarious. Um, really stupid. Um, in that way, it's funny in the other way. It's not funny because um, people went to jail for, for things they shouldn't have. Um, and speaking of Satanists, um, I always appreciate the, I don't say always, I often appreciate the Church of Satan uh, and what they do. They're in Texas uh, invoking the Religious Freedom uh, Restoration Act because Texas um, put in place a bill called the Heartbeat Bill where a woman who was pregnant more than six weeks couldn't receive an abortion. Uh, of course, a lot of women don't know they are pregnant within the first six weeks. So the Satanic Temple is invoking that, uh, trying to reverse it because uh, as part of their religion, uh, and it is a, a recognized religion uh, from the government, they, uh, they're they citing that part of the religion is having autonomy over one's own body, and this infringes uh, on their right. Um, or when a community wants to put the Ten Commandments next to a courthouse, 
and not even pretend to separate church and state. They'll come in behind with a um, plan to have a statue of Baphomet placed alongside it with two children on, on his knee, which I think is hilarious and terrific. I, I think that's great. But all of the, the Satanists that uh, I heard about growing up, they don't exist. Those, those groups don't exist. It was just, um, it was just for material where, whether it was on the news or a book or just fear porn, where all of these people were being sacrificed uh, to Satan by these groups that believed in, in a literal Satan. Now, you know, you might have, you know, son of Sam or someone like that that thinks that the devil is real and, you know, they have to kill people. That's mental illness, not, not an organized cult. But because people believe this, then movies, movies were made like this. So I guess that's the trade-off. Entertainment. Um, I Before I go, one of the movies I watched this month, I've seen so many times before, Cannibal Holocaust. And <clears throat> I was talking about it with someone. Um, now, Cannibal Holocaust is a good movie. Um, I think it's an important movie. But every time I watch it, it's a little more grim for me. Especially that poor turtle. Um, but maybe I'm getting soft in my old age. Maybe, maybe <laughs> this is what happens. So I'll still watch it again within the next year. And it's still a great movie. It's just funny how, how, as you get older, like when I was younger, I would just want to see like, you know, like faces of death type stuff. Like when you like, or like when we were like teenagers going to like rotten.com. You just wanted to see something gross or shocking, and then you had to like show other people and make them experience it. And then now that I'm older, I'm good. I'm good on all that. Um, but yeah, um, I will continue watching horror movies, but no longer posting about them until ne next October. Um, I'm going to start reading. Uh, my next book is uh, The Book of the Damned uh, by Charles Fort. Uh, surprisingly, I've never read it, uh, but I just started it uh, the other day. I finally finished um, The Eighth Tower by John Keel. Um, and then after I finish The Book of the Damned, I'm going to get into uh, some Kurt Vonnegut. And then I've been thinking about going back and rereading uh, the Bukowski novels, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, if you want to check me out on... Uh, Letterboxd, it's an app, and you can follow the movies uh, that I watch, and then you can post. It's pretty fun. It's super easy to do. Uh, I don't know if you can message in it or anything like that. You just see like the movies that you like your your friends are watching that you're connected to. Uh, so it's called Letterboxd. So L E T T E R B O X D. No E, just B O X D. So that's it for me. Halloween is over. It is 12.50 a.m. on November 1st, and I am done. So I am going to upload this, publish it, and see if I can figure out what I'm going to do about my mic situation. Who knows? Maybe in six months I'll be back with another episode. Who knows? Maybe it'll be two months. 
maybe a year. There's no way of knowing. You just, it's impossible to say. So I hope everyone had a wonderful October. Hopefully next Halloween uh, won't be strained by the pandemic, but who knows? Maybe this is just <laughs> maybe this is just our life now. That's what an awful thought that is. So thank you for listening. I hope you all are well. And uh, we always go out on a song, right? And it's not spooky season unless you listen to the monster fuck. And the monster fuck makes me laugh every year. Every, every year. Uh, I first heard it on Comedy Bang Bang. It was uh, Nick Weiger wrote it. And basically it's written as uh, the true monster mash, but it was too graphic. So they had to clean up the lyrics and they made the monster mash. But uh, the monster fuck was uh, the, for the comedy, as far as the comedy goes, it was the original monster mash, but it was called the monster fuck. And I laugh. I posted it on my Instagram too, as, as I, I think I normally do that in October. Anyway. Uh, we'll go out on monster fuck. So until next spooky season, here's the monster fuck and long live the new flesh. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise his trousers dropped right to the floor with his bottom bare he ran to the door i said frankenstein what's gotten into you he said my dick is hard and i need to screw he did the fuck he did the monster fuck the monster fuck it was a graveyard fuck. He did the fuck. That monster sucked and fucked. He did the fuck. He did the monster fuck. From my laboratory, I heard quite the racket. Deep in the castle, the vampires jacked it. The zombies all fucked in the graveyard grass. Wolfman wolfed down Frankenstein's ass. He did the fuck. They did the monster fuck. The monster fuck. It was a graveyard fuck. They did the fuck. Those monsters sucked and fucked. They did the fuck. They did the monster fuck. Whoa. The beasts all fucked as the orgy spread. Whoa. Bigfoot gave the headless horseman head. Whoa. Whoa. Swamp thing jacked up in the castle moat. Whoa. While Dracula gagged from the jizz in his throat. Whoa. The fucking was wet. There was spooge like mad. Whoa. Igor decided to fuck his own dad. The mummy let out a horny moan When Medusa's bare tits turned his dick to stone They did the fuck They did the monster fuck The monster fuck It was a graveyard they fuck They did the fuck Those monsters sucked and fucked They did the fuck They did the monster fuck but Frankenstein's pride was the biggest slut Dracula got balls deep in her butt She got titty fucked by a giant spider Jizz made the streaks in her hair much whiter She fucked every monster, come one, come all Her three holes were filled like a bowling ball And while monsters all fucked his undead bride Frankenstein just jacked off and cried
graveyard. Fuck! Those monsters suck and they fuck! Now you can monster fuck! Wow.